You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We are a church that strives to have open hearts, open minds, and open doors as we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And one of the ways that we do that is offering up our sermons for you to listen to. And so we hope you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org or on our social media at TahlequahUMC. So enjoy today's message. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we prepare ourselves for this holy week, may we be centered and focused upon you. Open our hearts and our minds to the possibilities that that can be there as we travel through this week. And as we make it through Good Friday, may we be remembered of your love for all of us. And so Lord, I pray during this time in this place that our prayers that we lift up to you, that you hear them, that the music that we've shared with you is a true offering of our love and care for you, Lord, because we know that you are with us in every step and every breath that we take. Lord, bless us and keep us and make your face known to us in this time and this place. And all of God's people said, Amen. So here we are, the end of our Lenten journey. But a new beginning. One thing ends, a new thing begins. And so we move from Lent into Holy Week. For those of you who may have given up something, some of you may be like, yay, I can go back to doing whatever it is I gave up. Or some of you may have now said, you know, I, don't, I can do without that. Or some of you may have actually even grown closer to God because you took time and centered and focused yourself on what you were doing and, and made it a part of yourself that now after these 40 days, you're all right. Next journey. And what a next journey it is, is that we enter into Holy Week. And, and Holy Week is not the, the best of weeks, really. We start off really great. And let me tell you, there was nothing more special than watching you all come down, waving the palm branches. I think some of the older generation had bigger smiles than the younger generations. Because some of you were reliving the time when the practice was that it was just the children that brought in the palms. But as you notice in the scripture readings, there was no age limit on who could wave the palm branches when Jesus came in. And I firmly believe that nothing, like nothing brings me great joy watching people wave the palms on Sunday morning. No matter where we're at in our life's journey, there's just something special about it, really beautiful about watching everybody wave the palms. And just the, per, you know, because I, I know how it is in most churches, it's kind of a continuous parade until they run out of palms and, and you're wondering, man, when are these kids going to get done? But when you're a part of it, it makes it that much more special. So thank you for making that special. Maybe next year we'll get a donkey. Someday, someday I will have a donkey in this story process in with us. No, I will not write it, but it was just, it adds to the story, doesn't it? Kristen Brown sent me this picture. I know it's not going to be the greatest quality of pictures. Next slide, please. 
this is Kristen today, processing in Jerusalem, waving palm branches. She sent that. I know it's kind of hard to see. Um, she shared it with me via Facebook, and so the image isn't all that great of quality. Um, and so this is her processing right now up in Jerusalem. And she wanted to share that with you all, and I wanted to share that with you all. Um, and so let's dive into this scripture reading for today. And so skip ahead to the scripture reading slide. We join me for Luke chapter um, 19, verses 29 through 40. Let's listen to these words. At Jesus came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. And as Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples and tell them to stop. Jesus answered them, I tell you, if they were, if they were silent, the stones wouldn't shout. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is an interesting story. Jesus is going into Jerusalem. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to Palm Sunday every year. Because it's that kind of breath of fresh air before we hit that thrust of Holy Week. And, and Holy Week in the life of the church is a busy week. We have services on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then two on Sunday morning. And, and let me tell you, if you don't do this every, every day, like, it, it does take a lot out of you. And so I'm, I'm kind of like the anticipation of these disciples. I'm really excited, but I know what's coming. So I'm kind of like a little bit more apprehensive. But isn't that how we all are when we read this text? We already jump ahead to the crucifixion. We already jump ahead to what we know that's going to happen. We already jump ahead that they know that they walk to the tomb and they find that he's not there. We already jump ahead that we miss out the moment of what this really means. Palm Sunday is that Sunday where we celebrate and we get excited and, and we, we're excited that Lent is over and, and, the, and the new life and newness can begin. We're, we're, we're wondering what does the story mean in Luke's gospel. I think is, is not really the best of the storytelling of this, of this story because I think he misses a few things, one being the palm branches. But I think one of the things that Luke gets right is that celebration. See, the disciples had it in their minds and in their heads that, that this was it. Jesus was going to come be what I consider, and I think of the story as like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of rulers. He was going to come in and just buff out and, and just show everybody that he's the boss, kick everybody out, and, and make this world a lot better than what it was. 
They had this image in their mind of Jesus like riding in on the stallion and horse and, and ready to take down the, the, the occupying forces. They were so excited and, and they just thought this was it. This is going to be the time when Jesus takes over and God's kingdom made whole and everything's going to be great. It's amazing how God works, isn't it? That God's plan was different than the plan of the disciples. Imagine that. How often do we find ourselves in that rut? Where we have a plan and we, we know exactly what we're going to do. We exact know what the exact next step is going to be. And as a preacher, when we come upon this text, we ask ourselves this question, who are we in the story? And there's so many angles that we could look at and ask ourselves, who are we in this story? Are we the religious leaders? Asking Jesus' disciples, just you need to be quiet. Jesus, you need to tell your disciples to be quiet. They're acting up again. Are we the disciples so excited about what is to come? That anticipation, that Christmas-like anticipation of a gift that they do not know yet. That they're overjoyed with excitement. Are we the servants who go? And I mean, could you imagine if, if somebody came to you and said, hey, um, we need you to go get a donkey. And not only that, a donkey that has never been ridden. I don't know about you, but what I know about donkeys, a donkey that has never been ridden is a donkey that probably should never be ridden. Because I've never met a calm, tame donkey like we imagine in the story. This calm, tame donkey that just went along with the ride. I bet they had a little bit of a struggle with the donkey that they left that out of the story. Because who wants to talk about the donkey causing a ruckus? That takes away from the story, doesn't it? But could you imagine in this scene as, as they're walking along and, the, and they take this donkey from this, from this guy and he says, hey, what are you doing with my donkey? Well, the master said he needed it. Could you imagine the owner of this donkey scratching his head? What do you mean by this master? Who, who is this guy? They didn't eat, like That whole conversation never took place. They just said his master needs it. And then they take off with the donkey. We find ourselves in this story at the beginning because this is the beginning of a new beginning. And far too often, we, we take advantage of that 2,000 years of hindsight, that 2,000 years of being able to look at the characters in the story and, and already either pass judgments or, hey, we know the rest of the story, and so we kind of gloss over it. But how does that work from our normal day lives? How quickly does our faith falter when God doesn't deliver what we're expecting? If you notice throughout the rest of the week and out the stories, what happens time and time again as we inch closer to the crucifixion, how many people's fall, faith falls short because they don't fully trust God and God's plan because it didn't go the way that they wanted not paying attention to the way that God had envisioned it, had cast it upon uh, many people's faces beforehand. How quickly does our discipleship falter when he realizes that the cost is greater than the risk of following of Jesus? Elizabeth Johnson, a missionary, pastor, theologian of, of the Luther Institute of Theology in Cameron, had asked these questions. She asked this one that really stuck with me. How often do our self-saving instincts lead us to deny Jesus 
and his claim on our lives. She continues on. She says, Luke's passion story records a variety of human responses to Jesus, from faith to jubilant praise to mockery, hostility, and violence. Yet throughout this story, human responses, human blindness, human weakness, and human hardness of heart, one thing remains consistent. God's will to show mercy and to save. And so how, before we jump ahead, you're probably already there, thinking of the crucifixion and, and Good Friday and Monday, Thursday, you're probably already there. But before you get there, ask yourself, how's God at work in this? And I always think of it like that excitement before Christmas or before like your birthday and, and you get that really, you know, like that excitement feeling like before you take a trip, you get really excited like, man, this is going to be a great trip, this is everything. And then you kind of start having that, oh no. What did I forget? Or what didn't I do? And that's usually happening as you're journeying. Maybe like if you're taking an airplane, you start thinking, or a trip, you're driving, and you start thinking, did I turn off the oven? Did I turn off the lights? Wait a minute, I haven't even used the oven in two weeks, but yet did I turn it off? Um, you, you start having these, the, you, you start getting out of focus and out of touch, and, and you lose sight of what's really ahead of you, that God is at work. And Jesus' response to the religious leaders, I think, is gold. I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. And what he's, what he's saying here is that religious leaders, you don't even know yet. You don't even know about the excitement that's about to come. He, he puts it in perspective for them. And so if we see ourselves as those religious leaders and, and we get excited uh, about other things and Ask ourselves, are we being God-focused or are we being us-focused? I love this story. I love this story because it gets us excited for Holy Week because it's not the easiest of weeks. But that's how our life is, isn't it? It's one constant ebbs of ups and downs and all arounds. It'd be nice if our story had, an, had just this nice, smooth like track of things. It'd be great if our story followed uh, just an easy thing, wouldn't it? But I think this story reminds us that there's more to the story than meets the eye. I think this story sets us up, but we can't jump too far ahead. We have to claim Jesus as ourselves and in our lives and, and make Jesus be the center and, and that Jesus isn't just the, the co-pilot, he's the pilot. John Ortberg, famous preacher, has this great story. Maybe you can relate to this story. When it was time for our first child, to bring our first child home from the hospital, we put her in the car seat in the back of the car, and then I got in the front seat to drive. She was so small, even the baby seat was too big. She looked so fragile to me that I drove home on the freeway going 35 miles per hour with the hazard lights flashing the whole time. The first day when your kid is in the car with you, it's a scary day. Does anybody want to know what the next really scary day is with your kid in the car? It's when they turn 16 and you're handing over the keys to the car. Now they're moving from the passenger seat from right 
from ride-along seat into the driver's seat, and that is a scary moment. It's a big moment in your life when you hand someone else the keys. Up until now, uh, I've been driving, I've chose the destination, I chose the route, I chose the speed, and you're in the drive-along seat. But if we're to change seats, if you're going to drive, I have to trust you. It's all about control. Whoever is in the seat is in the person in control. A lot of people find Jesus handy to have in the car as long as he is in the ride-along seat because something may come up where they may require his services. Jesus, I have a health problem. Jesus, I need some help. Jesus, I want you in the car, but I'm not sure I want you to drive. If Jesus is driving, as Ortberg continued to reflect on, I am not in charge of my life anymore. If he's driving, I am not in charge of my wallet anymore. If I put him in control, then it's no longer a matter of giving some money now and then when I'm feeling generous or when more of it is coming into my life. Now it's Jesus' wallet, and that's scary. If Jesus is driving, and if I'm not in charge anymore, my ego goes out the door. If I no longer have the right to satisfy every self-centered ambition, no, it's Jesus' agenda. It's his life. Now, I'm not in charge of my mouth anymore. Could you imagine that? That would be a great thing. I don't get into gospel, gossip, flatter, deceiving, range, intimidation, manipulation, exaggeration. I get out of the driver's seat and hand the keys over to Jesus. I am fully engaged. In fact, I am more fully alive than I've ever been before. But it's not my life anymore. It's his. Imagine if we handed our life over to really hand it over to Jesus. What would that look like for you? What would that mean you would have to let go of, let go of control of? I know for me, there'd be a lot that I'd have to let go of. There'd be a lot of trust that I would have to let Jesus have. And some of it I'm really good at. Some of it I'm willing to say, okay, you take control, Jesus, because obviously I don't know what I'm doing. But I have to be honest with you, there are still some things that I'm still struggling to let go of. But I know that I need to. I need to let Jesus be in control. And so the practice of Palm Sunday is one that when we challenge ourselves to let Jesus be in control, be aware that that means a trip to Jerusalem. Be aware that that means that suffering is ahead. Be aware that it may seem dark and dim at some times, but know this, Sunday is coming, resurrection will happen, and new life will begin. But it's up to you. Do you want Jesus in control of your life? And if you say yes, be prepared. Because it's not easy. It's a life-giving thing. But it's also life-fulfilling too. And so this week, this holy of weeks, let Jesus drive your ship and see what happens.
Let us pray. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, and we hope you connect with us at TahlequahUMC.org.